0: I grew up in a, a Christian tradition, Roman Catholicism, as well as in a family that takes Lent very seriously. Uh, maybe you did too, or maybe you're new to the church and aren't quite sure what to make of this season with the, the funny sounding name. If so, hang in there. I'll be covering some relevant details here shortly. But for me growing up, I had, I had some complicated feelings about Lent. On the one hand, we were not allowed to eat meat on Fridays during Lent, which I personally experienced as a child to be a significant hardship. (laughs) Uh, Cheese ravioli and cheese pizza get old after a while. I was uh, an adult before I learned to like fish and fish sticks, woofty. Let's just say I'm a hard pass on fish sticks. There's no amount of tartar sauce that makes these things edible to me. Hey, if you like them, no disrespect, but not for me. And so food was problematic, at least on the seven Fridays, seven Fridays of the season, which felt very oppressive when I was a kid. So that's on the one hand. On the other hand, every Friday in Lent was one day closer to Easter Sunday, and Easter Sunday in our family was a fantastic food day. It was like Thanksgiving, except all gussied up to celebrate the resurrection and we had ham instead, instead of turkey, which honestly felt like an upgrade. And it was uh, full of a full day of eating pretty much whatever you want um, with plenty of hard-boiled eggs to make, ironically, deviled eggs, so there's that. <laughs> and then there was the tradition of abstaining from something that you really like, and it had to be something that you really like for 40 whole days, and I know you can do the math, that's more than 10% of the year. So on the one hand, uh, you had to give up something for Lent, which for as long as I can remember still today means giving up sweets, uh, more specifically chocolate. For me, my mom and I are big chocolate fans. And so this was, this was no small sacrifice. I'd have to be chocolate free for weeks on end. And there's only so much chocolate you can pack into those last two days before Ash Wednesday, you know? Uh, So that's on the one hand. On the other hand, uh, Easter morning always brought with it, in addition to the normal Easter basket with all sorts of goodness, uh, we also got a chocolate egg from a place called Lowry's Homemade Candies in Muncie, Indiana. Okay. Now, Muncie is my stepfather's hometown, and we were usually in Muncie for Easter, and so mom, when I was very young, started getting me and my little brother chocolate eggs from Lowry's every year. This was a practice that she continued until well into our adulthood. Okay? Um, now, the eggs are made entirely of the best dark chocolate you can imagine. That one's a milk chocolate egg. I could not find a picture of a dark chocolate egg, um, but pictured dark chocolate here the best dark chocolate you've ever had, honestly. And it's so thick that you had to cut it open with a knife, not exaggerating, butcher knife came out to cut that thing open. And inside there were these incredible hand-wrapped chocolates, Uh, dark chocolate pecan patties, dark chocolate covered cherries, and the piece de resistance, Mm, was something called dark secrets. These are trademarked, I'm not kidding, by Lowry's. They are based on a recipe that has been held in strict confidence for a hundred years, and I'm telling you, they are worth a road trip to Muncie, Indiana, just for these things. I'm sure that my blood sugar is rising just thinking about (laughs) this chocolate egg, which, by the way, is the reason my mother no longer sends them to me (laughs) at Easter, uh, blood sugar issues. But my point is, giving up chocolate for Lent, I always made that chocolate egg much more magical than it would have been, and it was already gonna be pretty magical. And all of that is just the food part of Lent, the non-church part of the season. In church, the vibe is a bit more reflective, some might say, a bit more somber than the rest of the year. Y'all know how much I love Christmas. Lent is kind of the reverse of Christmas, so it's a little more heavy. On Ash Wednesday, Our service talks a lot about confession and repentance, which is perfectly appropriate for this time of year. Um, And then throughout Lent, you may or may not know this, we remove this word from worship entirely. Uh, We don't sing hymns that have this word in it. It doesn't show up in our prayers. We even change the doxology during Lent, as you'll hear here shortly. All of which makes that word all the more special when we say it on Easter morning you can count them like a million times, we'll say it on Easter morning, when Easter gets here. And then we're all called to, to spend this season in a time of spiritual reflection, refocusing on God in those places in our lives where we need to. As I mentioned on Ash Wednesday, Lent is an ancient season in the church's life. It's been, we've been practicing it now for 1700 years. It's modeled on the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness before his public ministry began and it's kind of intended to be like a, a time in the, the metaphorical spiritual wilderness, a time of simplicity, a time of reflection, a time when we reduce to the extent that we can the distractions in our lives, a time when we check in with ourselves to see how we're doing on our journey of discipleship, hence the practices of prayer and scripture reading and fasting and giving something up for Lent. If you're new to the church, that funny sounding word Lent comes from the Anglo-Saxon word for spring, as in the season we're about to be in. So this year for Lent, our sermon series is going to be based on the Ten Commandments, which are the recommended Old Testament lectionary text for a little bit later in the year, but we're going to go ahead and tackle them over these five weeks before Palm Sunday. And we're gonna start today with the first two commandments. This is Exodus chapter 20, verses one to six. Listen, friends, for the word of God as it is proclaimed by God's servant, the author of Exodus. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now some of us are old enough to remember uh, when footage of this scene was discovered, actual video evidence of this turning point in human history. And if you're old enough to remember it, you know that we cannot possibly preach a five-week sermon series on the 10 Commandments without showing it. So let's take a look. Moses went to the mountain and God spoke unto (coughs) him. Moses, this is the Lord thy God commanding you to obey my law. Do you hear me? Yes. I hear you, I hear you. I can hear you. What? Nothing. I'm going to forget. Oh, Lord. Why have you chosen me? What would you have me do for you? I shall give you my laws, and you shall take them unto the people. Yes, Lord. Lord. I shall give these laws unto thy people. Hear me. Oh hear me. Oh pay. He. The Lord, the Lord Jehovah, has given unto you these fifteen. Okay. I am firmly Gen X, okay, that that came out in 1981, History of the World, part one, we had to show it. Um, But but in all seriousness, when we say the 10 commandments, we actually need to be a bit more precise because there were not obviously 15 at first, but this is not quite as straightforward uh, as many of us often assume. For example, there are actually two slightly different versions of the Ten Commandments. One's in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, We're gonna be reading the original from the book of Exodus throughout this series. And I had actually forgotten this until I started doing the the research for the series, but different faith traditions number them differently. I don't know if you all know this. Uh, For example, in the Lutheran and Roman Catholic traditions, the six verses that we just read, the prohibitions against false gods and idols, actually comprise the first commandment while Eastern Orthodox Christians and most Protestants, including United Methodists, consider what we just read to be the first two commandments. And our our Jewish friends actually number them differently still. The other thing to note is that uh, in whatever tradition they appear and however they're numbered, the 10 commandments are only the, the first 10 of a total of 613 commandments in the law. Now, we just read that that God spoke all these words to Moses, and it turns out that it took a while. Exodus later tells us that Moses is on the mountain for 40 days receiving the law, just as Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. Not a coincidence, just as we are in Lent for 40 days. And yet, despite the fact that 603 more commandments follow them, the 10 have always uh, occupied a very special place in our faith tradition. In fact, Exodus will later tell us in chapters 31 and 32 that the 10 commandments are inscribed on those two tablets uh, by God's own hand. And that those tablets will later be placed in the Ark of the Covenant for safekeeping. And right here at the beginning of the 10, God reminds us of something that that truly does set the stage for our Lenten journey, words that guide us during our time in the metaphorical spiritual wilderness, and not just that, words that should guide us throughout our entire journey of discipleship. I am the Lord your God is the way it begins. Now in the Jewish tradition, those opening words actually comprise the first commandment. For us, they're the introduction the 10, but they reflect the divine name, Yahweh, that God had given to Moses at the burning bush. It's a name that appears in the Old Testament over 6,400 times. And I find this fascinating. The your in this verse is singular, not plural. You would think it would be plural because God is speaking to all of the people but when God says I am the Lord your God he's talking individually to each of us which means that that God is not just uh, our God as the body of Christ throughout the world although God is certainly that God is my God and your God And this season of preparation uh, for Easter is intended to give us the opportunity to spend time reflecting on what it means that God is not just our God, but my God and your God, and that we're called to to deepen our relationship with that God. And then after that very important introduction comes the, the first two commandments as we understand them. You shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make an idol for yourself. So it's striking that in just 3 of the 6 verses we read we really do get the the foundation of the faithful life the foundation of a life of meaning and purpose first god is god of each of us personally not just collectively second we should put no false god above our devotion and love for god and third uh, we should not have any idols in our lives that make god anything other than the first priority in our lives these these three verses truly do lay the foundation for faithful living. Surely, uh, this is why God wrote these words with God's own hand. Surely, this is why the 10 Commandments have held such a revered place in our faith history since God gave them to us on Mount Sinai. Surely, uh, this is why the 10 have continued to resonate through 2,000 years of Christian history. All right, our second reading for today is one of my favorite texts in the the New Testament, the letter to the Philippians, and we'll be reading from the third chapter, verses 17 to 20. Listen again, friends, for God's word. This is the Apostle Paul writing. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you about them. And now I tell you, even with tears, their end is destruction. Their God is the belly. And their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As we study the the Ten Commandments in this series, every week we're gonna be reading an accompanying New Testament text that helps us interpret the 10 through a Christian lens. And we're starting this week with Paul because prior to his conversion to Christianity, Paul had been a devout Jew, had in fact been by his own account zealous for the law. Uh, More than any other pastor and theologian in those early days of the Christian movement or really since, Paul has devoted his ministry to interpreting our salvation history and the law in particular in light of the incarnation and ministry and death and resurrection of Christ. And here in his letter to the churches at Philippi, Paul points out that violations of those first two commandments were just as much a problem in the first century as they were when God first gave them to us on Mount Sinai some 1400 years. Earlier, Paul warns of those who have their minds set on earthly things. Having your mind set on earthly things is problematic. And if, if setting our minds on earthly things was a problem in first century Greece, imagine how much more so it's a problem in 21st century Greece. America when we have so much more at our disposal to distract us from God. Lent is the season to turn back to God in those places in our lives where we need to. The first and second commandments tell us that God has to be our priority and that no idol should lead us astray from God. So the question for us as God's faithful, especially during this season, is how we're doing when it comes to these first two commandments. Now, we're all faithful people doing our best to live faithful lives. We know that we're called to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the the fact that we're all gathered here today is a good indicator that we take that expectation seriously. I do wonder, though, if if we thought long enough about it, and if we were truly honest with ourselves about it, and if we uh, asked the Holy Spirit to, to guide us in our reflection about it, I wonder if all of us don't have something, at least during various seasons of our lives, that becomes a priority over God. I'm talking about uh, those, those things that, that drive us, those things that occupy so much of our time and emotional energy, those things that come to, to dominate our attention And you know the list I'm going to give. Career is sometimes like that. Family or romantic relationships, if we haven't started a family, are sometimes like that. Our kids can become that, or our kids' activities. The pursuit of wealth, the pursuit of security, political ideology, all of which are are worthy and important, of course, but none of which should replace god as the guiding light of our lives and if we know if we become aware that our priorities need changing uh, in this area of our lives in particular well then lent is the perfect time to start the spiritual practices that we're called to during this season are intended to help us fix our priorities and for 1700 years now the church has set aside these 40 days for just that task so that we can arrive here on Easter morning renewed in our faith and strengthened in our spiritual journeys friends exodus expresses the first two commandments as you shall not and they're helpful to understand in that way for sure. You shall not have a false God before me. You shall not make an idol for yourself. But I especially love Paul's metaphor, which conveys the same idea to me, only positively stated, our citizenship is in heaven. When we, when we remember that, that's when we make God and our relationship with God the priority of our lives. Ultimately, we believe that as sacred scripture, whether in Philippians or Exodus, God spoke all these words. May they remind us of our priorities as we begin our Lenten journeys together. Amen.